Right Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Download their top-rated app. Brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Right Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, the Embiidless winning streak comes to an end. B-Ball Paul still stuck to the bench. Sixers add Mason Jones. So we will get Mike's scouting report on it. I feel like we have to call it the official Mike too long, too optimistic scouting report on every new Sixers. That's right. right. Tobias Harris and Danny Green stay hot. Ben Simmons, maybe not so much. Uh, Final thoughts on the trade deadline and the Nets add another 2019 All-Star. Before we get going, we do have a music podcast as well, the Carl Landry Record Club. Hosted by me and Mootloo, also known as Tommy from Down the Shore, the episode that's out now focuses on three albums, one from the Mountain Goats, one from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and one from Kill Switch Engage. We do that every uh, every pod. We do a listener album and one from each of us. And then the one on Tuesday has albums from Ice Cube, Television, and Mad Season. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast at Carl Landry Record Club. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is still not, still, wait, still not out the mud. There we go. Mike Levin. Sure. What's up, man? Uh, I want to start with Mason Jones. I'm very excited about Mason Jones. <laughs> I really am. Mason Jones, I wasn't, Nicky Brasdikas is not, is not like you were one of my it. guys. Yeah, you were faking. I don't even think I'm fake. I like talking about him. Mean, I just get excited yeah. about new guys. Um, I think he's fine. I think Iggy Brasdikas could could just have a body and the intensity and motor to to stick, but I'm not that excited about him. Mason Jones, I'm excited about. Mason well, Jones, we're starting good. with Mason Jones. I love we're, it. We're, we're leading with Mason Jones. Go I for think it. Yeah. I do believe uh, I talked about him a decent amount on uh, on the draft podcast. Hmm. Um, but really interesting player. So he, first of all, he was college teammates with Isaiah Joe at Arkansas. Um, he grew up the, I believe, youngest brother to um, Matt Jones, who played on the Jaleel Okafor Duke basketball team. Okay. Um, was kind of a role player there. Was sort of like a, just like a, a, a spacer. and uh, I think he was a senior on that team. Um, and his older sister is also uh, a D1 pro- uh, player as well. And so I think he grew up, the story is that he grew up like uh, not really caring about basketball. Didn't play basketball until senior year of high school. Um, was out of shape, was depressed, and then picked it up and went to a prep year, got his weight down, then went to junior college, 
and played and then transferred to uh, to Arkansas um, and was just awesome. And he kept getting better over the years. Like, he played two years at Arkansas. He's, he's 22 right now, but, like, What's his look comp? at his stats at Arkansas. What's his comp? Like, NBA, it's, like, what am I thinking? Of? What kind of player am I thinking about? I would say modern, hyper-efficient Evan Turner. It's really weird. It's a really weird player. Hmm. Um, you look at his you look at his numbers and you can watch him play. He gets the line a ton. Like as a as a I want to say freshman. He, I don't know, he he transferred from a junior college. So whatever he was, whatever they listed him as, sophomore or junior, um, he got the line four point two times his first year playing D one basketball. Four point two times a game. Senior next year got to the line nine point one times per game, and and wow. nine point one obviously is a a good omen for Sixers fans. Um, <laughs> Just the number that we all know and love. Of course, of course. Uh, and he, while doing, while getting to the line nine point one times per game, he also shot six point three threes per game um, at a at a reasonably high clip. So, like the body's interesting. He's not crazy athletic, but he just gets to his spots, and he's still getting his body in good shape. He was on Houston. Um, I think that they did not draft him, but then signed him to a to a two way, and then waived him. I don't know exactly what happened there. But certainly has potential. Really interesting player. I mean, scored over 40 points like a couple times in college. Um, he was really like the, the motor of that Arkansas team. And Isaiah Joe was just kind of the guy flying around uh, screens and, and taking a bunch of shots. But really, really interesting player. Um, I don't know how like what his role player situation would be because he, he was like the guy at Arkansas. Um, but there's there's like a decent amount of potential there, and I'm I'm really excited about him, uh, like finding things out and like figuring out. Why do you think and, he's just and, floating around? Like why? What with with the number of teams sort of, you know, well, tanking. They, they and, just waived him. Yeah, they they, okay. they waived him. I think they they waived him on a on the two way and then signed him to a ten day, and then the ten day expired, and they mm. and they let him walk. I don't know. I mean, I I think maybe they. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. has a similar kind of ball-dominant skill set where you can mm-hmm. get to the line and shoot threes type of thing. Um, and maybe they just wanted to, I don't know. It could have been a personal, I don't know. But they they had just, it, he wasn't available for that long. Yeah. Um, it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very high on Mason Jones. It's, it's, I mean, especially like take over a, a game up or down 40. Like that'll be a fun a fun trip, which we had some of last night. We got a little Rajon Tucker action, and yeah, so now with 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 our, with Arkansas's Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones, and now, and now Rajon Tucker as well, who went to Arkansas Little Rock. That's a lot of Arkansas on on one team, uh, which is a fun little wrinkle. Got to bring Corliss Williamson and was it Scotty Thurman? That was yeah, Scotty Thurman. Maybe was it was he on, he was on that Arkansas team, right? Scotty Thurman. I don't, I don't remember. That's before my time. Hmm. I think he was. Yeah, it was but a I can good start team. talking about Arkansas draft prospects currently playing. No, if you no, want. no, no, Moses no, Moody, Devo no, Davis. No, no, we just did. We Not led off yet. with Mason Jones. So, okay, all right. That's fine. So we, here's actually we'll just use the Apple Podcast review as a pivot to the actual the the other stuff. Two thousand eight hundred seventy five star ratings. When we get to three thousand, I have to read all the reviews again. This one comes from Fire Roseman. He says, fire Roseman, subject line, and the review, please fire Roseman. So there you go, <laughs> little, little eagles. Within our control, and, uh, yeah. and we'll take it under advisement. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so six, the, the Sixers were bound to lose at some point without Embiid. You know, um, the Sixers lose to the Clippers, who are a confounding sort of team to watch because they look kind of slow and 
sort of disjointed, but they have two incredible offensive players and enough to keep it moving and just score at a rate that it was... Um, and look, the Sixers did not put up much resistance against the the Clippers, I thought, defensively. But when they can't, you know, without Embiid, when they can't stop the other team, they just don't score enough points to beat a team like the Clippers, and they weren't stopping them. And I think, you know, Dwight Howard getting himself thrown out of that game and not having Tony Bradley <laughs> and then fucking... Uh, Mike Scott playing however many minutes as your main center. I don't know. It was a fucking, it was just, it was bound to happen. There's a lot of bad things all at once. Yeah. Dwight Howard getting thrown out of two games in a row is really impressive. It's really very nice. Both LA games, Dwight gets tossed. That is such a treat. Just begging Doc to play B-Ball Paul. And he won't. Congrats, B-Ball Paul, obviously, for getting a... Uh, a, a standard NBA contract. Uh, he's got two more years after this one, basically at the minimum. So that's very exciting. Um, Doc not playing him was 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 confounding. Um, was an odd choice and frustrating to see Mike Scott play as much as he did and not and not play well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just this was a game I was totally fine losing. They were bound to lose some of these games. Um, it's really I'm was very enjoy enjoyable that. That Dwight got tossed from two games in a row. He's the just must hate him, man. They just hate him. It's really good. It's it's great. It really is. It's perfect. He is just relentlessly Dwight Howard. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm shocked every time one of his free throws go in. Like he's he's never been a good free throw shooter, but he does look like he's worse than he's ever been. I don't know if the numbers support it, but just fucking flinging it up there like a hundred miles an hour. Just, he is so annoying. Uh, so he will eventually cost us a playoff game and win us a playoff game. I think it will even out. That That is my guess at some point. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair and reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How many minutes did Mike Scott play? It uh, felt like it 40. felt like over, he, he played a triple overtime game yeah. somehow. Yeah. Well, so I want to get to an email actually from, this comes from John. He says, I know the vibes are strong, but do you have any concerns with Doc not changing his rotations with the playoffs in mind? In the playoffs, assume he won't do line changes, so he won't be playing units that don't have a ton of time together to develop chemistry. Did this happen with the Clippers when he was there? So we do see, a. it's funny, on one end, Doc sort of rides hot hand. On the other end, he does seem kind of oddly stubborn with some things. He, he does like Mike Scott a lot. He did play a lot of minutes. Now, it's not like you can, if Mike Scott's playing with Ben Simmons, you can say either one of them is the center. It doesn't matter. But if, if those two guys are your bigs or Harris was the, the biggest guy on the court at some point, it is not going to work. I wonder if just B-Ball Paul has not practiced with them enough to know what they're doing on defense or anything yeah. like that. I, and, then, and then B-Ball yeah, Paul <laughs> turns around and has, the, has the, one of the worst turnovers in Sixers history uh, yeah. at the end of that game. Uh, that was pretty tough. So it's not, ex- not exactly a great option right no, now. No, no. Um, but uh, especially for like a veteran coach like Doc. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were times when they were playing. Mike played 30 minutes. He was one of six from three. He had three points and a rebound. And it's just go. like, that's just not, you just can't. You got to give me more than that, man. Like, it's, I, it, I know he's there for a sport, for floor spacer. We're asking him to do something that he's really not comfortable doing and it's fun to see Ben as a small ball five and 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 let him screen and roll and he has been screening and rolling a, a lot more without uh and beat out there and it's interesting but yeah I mean it's 
that's an untenable thing. They they played some some Mike because Ben was in foul trouble. They played some small ball five without Ben there. Yeah, yeah, with Harris. And it was that's a, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. It was it was Tobias, Mike, Danny, Seth, and Sh- like Shake or Corkmans, and I was like who. Who is covering anyone in this yeah. team? Like I look, I'm the biggest Tobias and Corkmaz defense guys there is. But but I they, you can't be making <laughs> making yeah. them. They're not your guys. They got to be the secondary guys. We got to have some real real defensive heft in there before it was tough. Well, uh, yeah, Dwight getting thrown out. I, I look, I <laughs> I think I think at the same time you cannot blame Doc Rivers for last night and and wonder if he'll get a little too stuck on what he does and not. He he's not known as playoff adjuster guy. Let's put it that way. That's that's not what he's famous for as playoff adjuster guy. But yeah, I, I but can't. I do think they're. I think just short, just simply p- playing people le- fewer minutes. You know, I don't think there's gonna. I don't think he's gonna go to a ten man rotation in the conference finals. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and now that George Hill's there, then it becomes a little bit more tenable defensively and and creation wise. Um, I think it'll end up being. Whatever two, whatever two or three bench players are playing well, plus Dwight or a or a backup five. Which, speaking of, uh, during this podcast, uh, Gorgie Jang was pursued by the Sixers, in addition of a number of other teams, and will and will sign with the San Antonio Spurs. That's weird. I guess. I guess. I mean, I guess he will get minutes there. Starting starting yeah. spot there. Yeah. Um, it is upsetting because I harassed. Sixers Adam. I saw the text. Signing. Yeah. He really put me on blast. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Just freaking go in there and searching text for the, all the Gorgie texts I've ever sent him in our whole friendship. He goes and posts the whole thing. Who does that? Sixers Adam. It <laughs> was a good. No, it was a good tweet. I I deserved it. That's fine. We should have gotten Gorgie, and I blame Adam now. Uh, uh congrats to Matisse Thibault on. Maybe breaking out of the AU curse. A- AU writes an, a, an article that says that Matisse Thibel's play is what is ha- making him believe that the Sixers can win the championship. Points out Matisse Thibel's three-point shooting. Thibel then goes two games without making one, has now made one three in three games. So congratulations to breaking out of that from, from AU. But, you know, it really does show the how much volume really plays into three point um three point percentage and the value of it. Because if you're shooting 36, 37 percent and you're only shooting two times a game, the normal ebbs and flows of three point shooting can have you not hitting a three for three games. You know, like it's a big difference between somebody like Green or Covington or who will shoot 10 or 11 threes in a game and shoot 36 or 37%. And that is enormously different from only shooting a couple of times. And I continue to think that that is the, the one thing that can turn Matisse Thibel from a sort of a gadget player into a, you know, really just like a younger Danny Green is being able to shoot threes. Is like he just, he's got to be able to launch six a game. He really does. Yeah. I mean, I think he's getting more comfortable. I think there was a nice take that he had. He, he's, a, he's flashed a couple occasional weirdly interesting finishes around the rim mm-hmm. that I'm intrigued by. He had one last night, uh, I think with his left. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that's everybody knows that's the that's the Matisse situation we're we're operating on. He had a really nice uh, block on Paul George on a three. Um, 
He does. He does what he does. Like at this at this point, he does what he does. And and in the playoffs, in that because he's not going to be shooting six threes a game in the playoffs. Otherwise, I think <laughs> I think Doc will be upset. Honestly, um, I think it's just going to be like hopefully the, you know, in a given series the. 10 to 12 threes he takes, hopefully he shoots them at not z- zero. Yeah. And and if he is, then he's and he's worth playing then and if, if he if he misses them all then then that's then that's tough to overcome. It's just just all off season. Just a shoot a billion yeah. of them. Just a fucking yeah. billion of them. Mike, as we've talked about, one of my favorite things is watching LL Pavorsky on Twitter. You know, like I think we all realize that, you know, old, people that are not quite as uh, social media a little more social media inept, older people sometimes. It's fun to watch on social media. Sometimes you're terrified, actually, if you're like me with my dad, but it's fun to watch LL. One of the things I love watching about LL is when the Sixers win, he takes like a screenshot of the box score from like ESPN.com and like posts it. Have you noticed that? Yeah, LL has a special understanding of the internet. I would say right, and it's a very. I mean, when you get and when you get those screenshots <laughs> from di- from various points, whether it's texts or or tweets or whatever, right. a lot of times it's the font is the biggest font you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, and that is it's just you respect you respect it. It's but that it has to be noted. Yeah, it is enormous font. It's it's always it's not cropped at all, so you do see the top of the no. phone or. It's the best, you know. As I as I delve into uh, or I'm firmly in middle age right now, I did notice. Now I don't have giant font, phone uh, the font yet, but I did notice that if I'm in my living room and I'm trying to read something and the lights are lower, I never had a problem before. But now I like I become the can't see it guy. It started yeah. to happen. Yeah, it's very sad. Sounds for us all. Yeah. So LL not only is a great tweeter, but is the best jeweler in America. Just uh, just celebrated his 33rd anniversary at, of LL Pavorsky Jewelers right there at 707 Walnut. Only way that you stay in business that long is by either just fooling everyone just masterfully, which would be very hard, or you're just a solid guy, a great guy who sells great jewelry and takes good care of people. And he's taken great care of our listeners. Over 200 Ricky listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL. Um, you, you walk in there, there's low pressure. It's just LL. Sometimes Jeff, his security guard, maybe one other salesperson, but it's not like one of those other jewelry stores where you walk in and they swarm on you. And he wants it to only be you. He wants it only, appointment only, whether it is in store, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on Zoom, whatever it is, he just wants to take care of you. Any price range, don't worry about it. Don't think you have to go in there spending, you know, $25,000 on something like you absolutely don't any price range he will take care of you and we say engagement rings all the time there are other other jewelry you need maybe it's wedding bands maybe it's just a, an anniversary present or something LL is your guy 707 Walnut uh, like I said make an appointment 215-627-2252 if you don't want to call that's fine nobody likes making phone calls anymore Lee at LLPavorsky.com or you can just tweet at them supports our charities for with every pod Providence Animal Center coded by kids LL Pavorsky Jewelers big font big rings good one good one solid big font big rings is one of your best ones in a while honestly so I would love ma- zero dark Matisse from a vlogging standpoint. Not that guys can't have their uh, inner life and they can't have 
traits. But if he does I, a yeah. big vlogging tour next season and comes back and still isn't a serviceable three-point shooter, then it's going to be like, well, do less of that. Yeah. Do more of the other thing. One of them is your job, and you need to be good enough at it. It'll Come it'll on. it'll turn Mike into why are you doing X? You should be practicing yeah, Y. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a ba- I'm I don't want I'm I'm also getting older. Yeah. Uh, as you're as you're getting worse at reading, I, I'm that's I think that's probably that ad is probably later in the podcast. But the I'm you know yeah, I have some, we'll some make take sure like, we'll make sure it's in there. Make sure do the jo- yeah. Do the job, Matisse. <laughs> do just do your job. Hit some shots. Take some shots. Um, I also thought just while we're t- while we're on yeah. the game, um, uh, God, I, I really I really was very tickled by Dwight getting uh, getting ejected tw- in two, <laughs> two games in a row. Um, I thought I was a little disappointed with Seth in last night's game. I, I I've been yeah. really very impressed by his uh, defense over the course of the year, um, and I, I thought he just had a horrible defensive game. I mean, Terrence Mann just like mm-hmm. ate him up. Reggie Jackson ate him up. Like. He gave up the. He just little, he wasn't he wasn't fast enough to guard those guys. They went right by him. Like they yeah, and they even just and he didn't, just, right didn't even seem locked in. I yeah, mean, maybe I mean he's talked he's talked pretty openly about COVID symptoms. Who knows? But um, well, and how much he hates not, Paul George. My, and how much he hates Paul George. God, there's so so much there's so much vitriol between these two teams. Yeah. Um, the even the the like point five seconds left, little like alley oop type shot. That I mean that's inexplicable. Like that's. There's that's like a freshman in college type of play, and he's like a veteran who should who should know better that he's he can't have his back turned to the inbounder, so he knows where the ball is. Um, so I was disappointed in that, but I, I it's just it's sort of, sort of served as a as a reminder of like how well he's played defensively over the course of the year. Um, and I do think you know this team has been great without Embiid. They've been way better than I thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. Um, I at, at a certain point we just got to start talking about Tobias as like a really very consistent borderline elite scorer in this league. I mean, he doesn't get to the line and he doesn't shoot threes, but he might be the best contested mid-range shooter in the league at this point. And I don't think that that's what we would ideally want. You know, not exactly well, the perfect skill set around Simmons and Embiid, a guy who like yeah. also wants to get in the post and and hit mid-range shots, but when he's hitting them as effectively as as Tobias is and and like Starting to create a little bit more for his teammates. There was one. There was one play. Tobias obviously got hot as hell in the second quarter, um, and then had the, there was one play. I think earlier in the game, where Tobias had his guy set up for a little fadeaway, and some somebody else ran at him, and he just kind of felt that someone was open, and he made an almost blind pass to Danny Green behind him in the corner. Just turned and saw that like, yeah, oh, Danny, Danny's going to be there, and I think that was a Tobias. Showing more creation ability than he has shown uh, in previous years, and I like I like de- him developing that skill set, and also just like guys building trust and knowing where they're going to be on the court, and and having that level of consistency where for years of Sixers just changing lineups in and out around Embiid and Simmons, the fact that it has been pretty stable around Tobias as well, and now Danny and Seth are guys that you kind of just know what you're getting. It's nice to see that those kinds of plays rather than miscommunication plays that we had seen for for years yeah he's been great obviously i think that the thing that you did throw in there as a caveat keeps him from being elite that sure. not getting to the line and not hitting threes is when because i 
It was funny. On they, volume, volume threes. Volume threes, right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. I think he's shooting the fewest threes he has in a while per game. I think he's probably around, what, like three and a half. I'm not looking at his stats, but I, I know it's under four. So I was. they flashed his stats up there for a second, and you know he's at 22 points a game. And it was amazing to me because AU has talked about his like relentless consistency, how he's always in that range of points. And I looked at it and I was like, why is it just 22? Like, why does it seem like more? And that's why his, he can go off like he did and still just end up with 29 because he's, he's hitting so many two point jumpers, you know, and that, that he is a great complimentary player. He might not be the perfect complimentary player to your point, like with Ben and Embiid, but he has maximized what he does well. Um, but like his the his inability to get to the line and the fact that he doesn't shoot a volume on threes is why he will seem like the hottest guy in the game and that he's totally going off. And you look at the end of the game and you're like, it seemed like more than 29 points. And that's I think yeah. that's probably the reason. So, yeah, there's both a ceiling and a floor to yeah. Tobias's game and they're pretty close by. Yeah. Um, if, at this point, if he gets to his spots, it really doesn't matter who's guarding him. Like, he's hitting shots over Paul George, over Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Like, they're contesting really well, really hard. It's not like he gets a ton of lift on his jumper, but he just has, if he's in that, if he's in his spots, like, you know, 12 feet around the rim, he, he it's just, they're going in. And it's, uh, it's cool to see that how, how much better he's gotten and how much more comfortable he looks this season. Yeah, th- there's not a lot of lift on it, but he, doesn't, he also doesn't need a lot of room. You know, yeah, he like doesn't need really any. I mean, he shoots it high, like all that stuff. Yeah. The so Simmons had six turnovers and two assists since the All Star break. Ben is at his normal 15, 8, and 7. Um, but true shooting down to 50%, shooting about four and a half free throws a game, 50 turnovers, 35 assists. Um, like, I think it's eight games uh, and shooting 52% from the line. So as good as he's been on defense, I would, I think as, as much as we praised him for his sort of like that pre-All-Star break run, yep. I, we needed more, th- there is to an extent the is what he is thing. You would have hoped for more offense out of Simmons in this run, even though they've been successful, you would have hoped for like a survey more get to the line creator sort of thing out of Simmons and he hasn't really thrived um with in Embiid's absence at all yeah I mean I think it's it's a couple things um he's certainly taken his foot off the gas in some sense on on offense and and not doing what he did over that run you know especially in that in the jazz game where he scored 42 Mm -hmm. and has kind of given up on that he's screening a lot more which is nice to see and, and pretty necessary to do without Embiid and I, I think also in this particular game, it was a bit of a ref show, um, some really bad foul calls, some stupid foul calls, and, and he fouled out of the game. So I think he only played 27 minutes. So I think mm-hmm. part of it was like, especially when he's in foul trouble, I'm he's not going to handle and try to force the issue because he could foul out, which he did anyway. Um, so he was more of a screener. But also I think I just don't think this team is setting, it up, setting him up for that much success without having him with more successful bigs like Dwight and Ben is fine he rolls hard and and can clean up his misses and stuff but he's obviously not a dynamic player at this point in his career Mike Scott is just not a three-point shooter that 
anybody respects at, at this point. And it would, and without Joel, like it's been on his own with a bunch of guys that he's just trying to make it work. And I I think that they could make it a lot easier on him if if they had either gotten somebody in trade or if they bring somebody in over buyout that that can provide some stretch five to it that would that would open up the floor a little bit more for Ben. Um, it feels like he's you know in the Lakers game. It felt like he's just kind of missing shots around the rim. I, thought, I think he started like 0 for 3, all on pretty much layups. Um, and I think that there's some of it of just like he's just not that not that skilled at getting fouled, and he's not that demonstrative of dunking over guys still, although he's done it more over the year. Um, well, around the rim, it's interesting because when he's dunking, he's great, but when he's not, he doesn't seem to... He doesn't have like that guard sort of touch around the rim when he's no. laying it in, or so it's always like this. If it hits the rim at all, it doesn't seem like it's going in. Yeah, sometimes I think yeah. when he's on, he get, the touch starts to look better, and he's got that little baby hook and stuff. I think he's just gone gone through a little bit of a. I'm carrying the team defensively as a whatever you want to call him, a small ball five or like an anchored four, whatever it is, and I think. I just it, it hasn't been a great stretch. The team has been winning for the most part, so I'm I'm not upset about it. But uh, I'm I just want Joel back. They're not they're just not getting to the rim enough without Joel. Mm-hmm. I think I thought Dwight. I mean, him getting the line 14 times is crazy. Um, so good for him. But like, it just seemed like when it's just Ben lineups without that many dynamic players, you're talking like Curry and Green and Mike Scott and even Tobias or Shake or Korkmaz or whatever. It just feels like every possession down is a drive and kick and you would just like to get a little bit more shots at the rim because sometimes yeah. it seems like they fall into like well hey we're down every shot is a three at this point because nobody can really get all the way to the rim or no one has decided to I think both Tobias and Ben have their moments when in a bad run they can kind of take over and just like get to line or get to the, get a decent shot off and, and like sort of stop the run and stem the tide but it does feel like with, I mean, without Joel Embiid, who is the MVP, they are worse. Like, I think that's not a hard thing to well, say. They, no, 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 no. gaping hole. Yes, but. but it's a matter but. of, like, the other guys stepping stepping up most of the time, and sometimes it's just not enough. One guy who has stepped up in the last two games, we would be remiss to not note that Danny Green has been had an excellent trade deadline game that yes. evening against the Lakers and then shot well against the Clippers as well as he is the heart and soul of the Philadelphia 76ers. Absolutely. Danny Green, man. Uh, <laughs> did you see the video of that of that old lady yeah. who loved him? Who loved uh, him, yeah. She, so Danny Green sent her, a, sent her a jersey and signed it. That's very cool. So the backstory is some older woman, uh, some, some person on Twitter's grandmom decided that she loves... Uh, she's gonna like one person from every team, and has just gotten into basketball a lot and watches a lot of league pass. And so Danny was the, her favorite player in the Sixers, and then Danny sent her a, a jersey, which is very nice. Love it, yeah. Um, I retweeted it if you want to look for it. The but Danny's been great, and he's got that. I mean, the corner, the corner three is interesting. He's got that when he's open. Is obviously that's that's his that's his shot. He he basically perfected that shot. Talk about um, the floater, Mike. He's kind of got a floater going too. The floater's interesting. I wish he wouldn't try to do it against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he gets a little <laughs> high in his own supply. There's sometimes where it's just like, okay, Dan. Like I'm impressed. Like uh, I think AU is uh, flummoxed by Corkmise's floater, and I'm I'm flummoxed by Danny's. Um, but. Uh, it's been it's been going in and the and I, the interesting thing 
And he hit, he hit a couple big shots in the Lakers game, which we only really talk about. Uh, yes. That game got closer than it had to. Um, but he's got that game when the ball gets argue. swung to him. It is the little like half pump fake. It's the like, I'm going to pump fake so that you can come over here and contest, but then you're not going to contest hard. And then I'm going to rise up over you. You know what I mean? There's that yeah. little hesitation. And, and most of the time that for other guys, that is like a death sentence for a, a shot. It's like you just find the rhythm, go up right away. It doesn't matter. Just like stay focused on on the rim. And Danny almost invites the guy to come as close as possible, and then rises up after like a second of like a jab step like hesitation. It's very odd, but it's gone in a lot lately, and he's been and he's been great. And a very a very Danny Green uh, line of seventeen points and zero other recorded statistics. Things. Yep. <laughs> Well, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, no turnovers. I am for Danny. I am sure. Go. I'm sure his corner threes are going in every time. Um, He's been awesome. So, and, and speaking of, uh, he talked a little bit about uh, George Hill because they were teammates in San Antonio, and that's an exciting. I hadn't thought. I hadn't like recalled that because both guys have played for so many teams over the course of their careers. Yeah. Um, and so that'll be a fun, fun little pairing of guys who are a similar skill set and also know each other well. Speaking of George Hill, just a, a couple of leftover, because I, you know, I had a chance to think about the trade deadline. We also had Aldr- uh, LaMarcus Aldridge signing with the Nets. Um, my final thought was this, after thinking more about uh, George Hill, is that in my head, he is definitely going to be in closing lineups of important games as long as he is the same George Hill, at least from last year. You know, he's played limited minutes this year. To me, he's going to be, I think it was a good trade and it was helpful. He will be largely too important. And it reminds me of when he was on the Bucks a little bit. And he will be a, unless, unless, Joel, Tobias, Ben are like, do what I, I don't totally believe that they'll be capable of doing in the, in the playoffs. He will be largely a little too important as really the only guy in crunch time that can dribble. Uh, the only guy who could probably break a press by himself, dribbling the ball up the floor and, and does just as important as he will be shine a light on, on that missing portion of the Sixers. I think it was a good trade, but my guess is we will largely depend too much on him. That's my my sort of final thought on George Hill. I mean maybe. I think that there's I think that Doc still has optionality. I think that I think that Seth is a guy that is has impressed me as a ball handler. I think Tobias is capable of it. I'm I'm not worried about there being too many ball handlers to like get trapped by like a West Virginia style press of the court if there's going to be some some intense thing there they could I mean they they certainly get careless the thing with the Sixers for me they have every, they have everything like within if Embiid is healthy they are a team that should beat everyone they're like the biggest weakness they have shooting they have some penetration I think George Hill like would it be nice if George Hill had uh James Harden's ability sure uh or Kyle Lowry's absolutely but at, at the price and while still preserving the future, I think the, the Sixers are as good as they could reasonably be now without, while still having like a sort of a, a coalition of possible moves to make in the future mm-hmm. for a, you know, whatever Card. next star becomes available. Yeah. Um, the, like the biggest weakness is like transition defense, like, which is, no, 
No, which that's is not like their choice. biggest. Their biggest weakness is a guard. No, but I'm saying like what what they what they don't do on the court. Well. Okay, well, like they 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 have a good offense when Embiid is in there, especially with the starters. Uh, they have a great half court defense, one of the best in the league. Um, they lead the league in transition offense, and they just like don't get back a lot of times. And I feel like that feels to me hoping maybe more than believing that feels more like a regular season thing where in the in the playoffs it's just a choice to okay we're gonna get back we're not gonna allow this to happen whatever it is yeah there's Uh, barely any transition offense in the playoffs right i mean anyway so so. and so i I just feel like i you look at the sixers one to ten if if guys are healthy playing whatever as many minutes as they need to in the playoffs it's it's hard you know you're you're counting on guys that are are not try, like truly tested you know it's not like Seth has had a ton of playoff success it's not like Shake and Matisse and Korkmaz have um guys can certainly go cold but i just look at the team and i'm like they there there's not much i would love i've obviously talked about a back of 5 but like there's there's not much to do aside from like go win the whole fucking thing like i just I feel like if there was if if they go went and got like DJ Augustine or Jeff Teague, like that's just an, it's introducing another problem. You know, I think that there's there you they could get like a quicker, jittery guard Ish Smith type of thing, but then it's like well then how are you going to hide that person? I think at this point George Hill was the best kind of acquisition to get with the, with the added carrot of you know tradable contract for next season, um, th- where they can. Just match up with everybody, score however they want, get the ball to Embiid, kick out the shooters, drive for Simmons, like get fouled. Like there's just a lot of options with the team. And if Tobias plays as well as he's been playing, it's it's hard to see. You know, you're, you're watching Brooklyn add every every All Star from 2009, um, but it's I think the Sixers are the better team. I just well, actually I just every like, every All Star since. I mean, 2019, not not 2009. I mean, Aldridge and Griffin were all stars two years ago. Were so, they really? God, it feels yeah, like so much longer. They were. Blake, yeah. I knew. I Lamarcus being an all star was. I, that's a bad. That's a bad era. I think you maybe misunderstood what I was saying. I I don't think they should have added DJ Augustine. I I think that the on the whole, the the fact that George Hill is their best guard is is the problem. Like that 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 will hold them back if. Assuming they don't win the championship, that will be the, the issue. Now, they could defense and impede their way to a championship. I don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. But I, I think that they are a, the big piece away, not, not necessarily a, a small piece away. That would be my – maybe we see that in the offseason. I don't know. Yeah. You know, they yeah, certainly I mean, tried. That's the, that's the yeah. hope. I'm not saying yeah. that it's – I just think that, like, Tobias is capable of getting a shot and Beat is capable of getting a shot. Simmons has shown times where he is. Uh, when he decides to be, and and obviously is more versatile than than most other guards and stuff. But they have guys who can score, and whether it comes from someone who labels themselves a guard or is like under six foot four, like I don't it, it, that to me doesn't super matter. And, and no. we have seen Shake like take over games. Like Shake has, Shake was hitting shots over Kawhi last night. Like obviously there's sloppiness and some ball hogging still, and I'm a little confused by the the Shake and the bench lineups when I, I don't know if they like or dislike. That it's, shake, just go do your stuff, pal. 
Like it seems sometimes when he's he doesn't pass when he brings the ball up, and I don't know if guys resent that or if the if that's Doc telling him like go be Lou Williams or something. Um, but it's, I mean he's 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 done it, um, and so I think there are guys. I think there is. Is there one Damian Lillard type person that you just can set a high screen for and then it's over? No, they don't have that. But they have a lot of other stuff, and I think they have a lot of other stuff that other teams don't have, and so it might not look as normal as as maybe we'd want it to sometimes, but I think that the, I think that they're, I really do think they're as capable of, as any team. And now, now with George Hill, like significantly deeper and with options on both ends of the court. One quick thing about LaMarcus Aldridge. It is funny to see people go <laughs> to see like Sixers fans say at the same time, well, that's not going to help the Nets at all. Like he's cooked, yada, yada, yada. And then they're like, Hey, why are we playing Mike Scott 30 minutes a game at center? And you're like, well, like, I also don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is going to win them the championship, but it would be nice to have, like, I would take 12 minutes of LaMarcus Aldridge at, you know, five over uh, over Mike Scott, maybe. So I don't think it wins them a championship. It is a, a nice, nice luxury to have, I guess, though. Sure. Yeah. Mike, over the uh, last several years of the pod, as I've become known as a, uh, a pet guy, most notably a dog guy, I get a lot of people who get in trouble with their pets, like they have a GoFundMe, they need you know some expensive surgery, and, and I help out. You've noticed that, obviously, right? Sure. And uh, a, one of the things that, like, obviously there are things that you can't... Um, that you have no control over, obviously. But one of the things that I think about every time I get these is how little we think about our pet's health aside from the annual, you know, you get your, you get your, your dog or your cat, their annual vet visit, you get them their shots, you give them their, their flea and tick thing. Um, you, you know, you take a look at their food and then that's it. And Big Barker, Big Barker dog beds is one of these things that is important for your pet's health, but you would never really think about it, right? Because you, you see your dog sleeping on the floor or on the couch or sleeps in your bed or a lot of times sleeps in this shitty dog bed that you get. And he, the, the pet, your dog looks comfortable. So you figure that the, the pet is, that your dog is fine. And the truth is, Mike, your dog is not fine if he's no. sleeping in one of those beds. It's not fine. And the thing about sleeping in one of those shitty beds is that the effects of it sort of build upon themselves. And you might not notice when your dog's two or three or four, but as your dog get, you know, Rebel's gonna turn seven uh, in April. As your dog gets older, and there's the sort of additive effects of this, it's just like humans. If you don't treat your body right, eventually it will all catch up to you. And it is the same with the bed that your dog sleeps on. Get your dog a real bed. Get your dog a bed that's gonna support your dog's joints so when your dog gets older, and I'm not even talking about old, I'm talking about older, you know, five years old, six years old, that your dog's joints are in better shape, that mobility is better, that that your dog is healthier. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky is where you go. You get the Big Barker dog bed, you get the Process Pup patch. Most imp- the, the patch is beautiful. Well, just a, you get two of them actually, very good patch. But most importantly, you get this bed that has been shown to by PenVet. They did a study, make your dog healthier. Um, it, it's worth it. You know, like you, you spend 50 bucks or 60 bucks in some shitty dog bed 
at the the pet store, or you spend a couple hundred bucks on a big barker, but you get this big barker that's going to last you 10 years and is actually going to keep your pet healthier. Um, and down the road, you're going to have fewer health problems. You get one of these things. So it's actually designed by experts to support your dog's joints. You can see it when you look at the pictures. Look at the pictures of these dogs on these beds compared to your dog on the bed that sleeps on. It's just completely different. Um, a 10-year warranty, as I mentioned. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, your dog won't sleep on it. They will even pay the shipping and give you a full refund. Uh, and it is made here in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. I, I'm, I, something bad has to happen in Brooklyn. Like, it's just, there's just too many, it's, it's too much like the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard Lakers. Except they're way better. Or like, or like the Gary Payton, Carl Malone Lakers. That might be more, a, a more accurate description, I think. Yeah. It's, it just feels like, like, we're watching freaking, what's that? What's the old, is it Red? Is that the old movie where, like, it's Bruce Willis and, like, Helen Mirren hmm. and all the old people are, like, coming together to, like, shoot up a, you know, I don't know, go to war with Russia or something? I don't remember. It, Wasn't it that the feels... Valentine's Day movie? Didn't, weren't there a million stars in that one, too? Million that a different there. situation. But oh, okay. this is, this is, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's, there's got to be bad personalities there. There's got to be weirdness. Steve Nash is, like, a rookie coach, like, this, there's there's got to be something fucked up there, and like they, if this means they're gonna stop playing like Bruce Brown or more shooters, so they can have like a lineup of only guys who have made an All Star team before, I I don't know, I just don't know, I just can't, it it can't, it can't work, and there's and like Kyrie's doing what he does, like he left the team for personal reasons. Durant hasn't been back in forever. Harden's been excellent, um, but I, it just can't work. It it can't. It does. It seems like something should go wrong. All that said, yeah. there's still one game behind us somehow with with sure. nobody playing. It is amazing. Uh, the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week is brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding. If you're going to buy sneakers, buy them from a local business like Kinetic. Don't just hop on fucking Amazon or something like that. You're going to buy a pair of Vans, Converse, Nike, all that. They have all those things, and they have shoes that you're not really even going to find anywhere else. And you get 9.1% off your first order by using promo code Dave Silver at kineticskateboarding.com. This comes from Carlos Sanchez. Is anyone magnanimous enough to type out the lyrics of the intro song for the benefit of my non-American ass who just sings it as, when we e were wrong, went wrong, we were right, for my daily morning drives to work? Isn't that the only lyrics in there? <laughs> I mean, not exactly uh, word for word. What it's pretty close. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you can say whatever. You, you can make the words whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, someone should give him the full lyrics. Carlo, thank you for listening. Obviously, it seems like English, not your first language, and you're, you're following this somehow, so congrats. Someone type out the full lyrics for him. And also, uh, I know it's only supposed to be one comment. Leave a, a comment here on YouTube. But this one came from our, I thought this was a funny one, came from our keynote Cal State Fullerton speech. This comes from Natural. This is like watching two of your homies interview on local TV at the county fair. <laughs> it just yeah. seems at, so at, appropriate. At, at some at a Cal State uh, fair in Fullerton, in Orange yeah. County. So 
On to the mailbag. We took some Twitter questions today. We, we never seem to take them from Twitter. So we have some writes to rickysanchez at gmail.com, one basketball, one non, non-basketball. And we got some from Twitter. This comes from Boyd. This comes from the actual mailbag. I thought this was a good one for you. I am watching the, I actually think he put in the subject line, this is more for Mike than it is for Spike. I'm watching the end of the Clippers game and I just watched Rajon Tucker hit the crazy pull-up three at the end of the shot clock. As a guy like Spike who rarely if ever watches college basketball and this being the first time having to digest any basketball he's ever played, again, like Spike, I did not bother to watch any of the G League playoffs. I had a gut feeling there was a good chance we found a five years down the road playoff contributor that not many had ever heard of. Wanted to hear your opinions on the short amount of sample size on Rajon Tucker. I mean, Rajon's an absolute hoss. Like, he's just a <laughs> six foot four, very muscular, incredibly bouncy ball of energy who can get to the rim a lot, um, create for others a little, and hit shots a little bit. And uh, if he focuses on defense and, and learns the system, I think he's absolutely capable of being a, a, a contributor in the like you know, Dante DiVincenzo type mold. Like, he should he, he should be able to play. Um, Sixers now have too many guys who can play. They're, we're, now, we're now too good. There's too many guys at the end of the bench that I'm excited about. Um, I have been noticing Tyrese Maxey has been hitting, shooting and hitting threes off the catch a little bit more. He looked pretty uh, comfortable on that one three last night. It looked pretty He did pretty it against smooth. the Lakers, too, I think. Yeah. He's, start, he's just starting to look a little smoother and more comfortable, and that just comes with time. So uh, hopefully that keeps coming. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want and I'm being robbed of Isaiah Joe minutes. Um, obviously, B-Ball Paul. I want to see what, if Higgy Brestigas gets here, if they, if they just keep the roster spot open for a, uh, for a, for a, a third big. Um, Mason Jones we've already ta- spent 45 minutes on. Um, they're too good now. And I, I do like Rajon, and I hope, he, I hope he sticks. He's awesome. Is that your comp, Dante DiVincenzo? Is that, like, is he a good comp? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean he's not he's he's not the high level uh, creator that Devin he doesn't have like he's probably not as natural of a shooter. But yeah. I think I think I think I don't think there's a reason why Rajon couldn't couldn't be like that. Yeah, DiVincenzo really passes the eye test to me. I never know what his stats are, but when I watch him, I always think I would like to have him on the Sixers. You know. Yeah, I mean I think because because it's a Giannis situation, like he's kind of being painted as you. You just shoot threes, and I don't think that's like his natural right. thing he's best at. It's not like his the, the highlight of his skill. Um, but I think he's an NBA player, and I think he's like not a guy that you need to like game plan around um, or like like have him have him be um, you know hide or anything like that. I think he's yeah. just like a solid player with an NBA body that that can do a bunch of stuff on the court. On Twitter, this is from Justin D four eight eight five basketball non basketball basketball question. Who would you take right now, Tobias Harris or Paul George? Well, on this team, the the answer is very clearly Tobias Harris. Uh, oh yeah, putting, considering putting Paul George and Seth, and Seth Curry yeah. and Doc in the same in the same place doesn't seem great. Did right. someone actually? Did Danny? I I should have just asked. Sean O'Connor tweeted that Danny said something. After a after a play about Doc's daughter, like a, this is for Cali type of thing, I don't I, I really? don't know if it was real or not. I I, be, I believed it, I believed it in, inherently, but Sean may have just been joking. Uh, I have no idea how that stuff works. People that have like so much history on the court and and uh, you know especially like Doc coached him last year is just very 
very bizarre. There's a um, lot there. I mean, there's a lot. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's too much. It's way too much. Um, it makes me uncomfortable to even like see them on the court together. It feels like <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. I get I get sort of squeamish sometimes at like very uncomfortable, awkward moments, and uh, and that that whole that whole thing was was one for me. They're covering each other. Doc's saying stuff. I don't. I don't. I didn't like it. Um, yeah, but I mean, Paul George is, is a is a better player and a better fit for this team if they if he could. But he's also like he's not Tobias. I love Tobias. Come on. And non basketball question: What's your favorite kind of weather? Uh, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so I think that uh, that clears it up pretty <laughs> easily. Just I don't. I think my favorite kind of weather is is none. Yeah, and that is that is pretty solidly Los Angeles. You know, there's no weather at all. Um, or I don't or it's mi- like catastrophic. Right. I don't mind. I I don't mind really cold. I actually don't mind really hot anymore. I think my favorite kind of weather is probably Los Angeles in uh, you know late November, early December. That you know sixty, sixty six during the day, maybe a, a fifty two at night. I like to be able to wear a hoodie, wear whatever clothes I want, and not have to worry about being sweating or being cold. So uh, this comes from Jeannie Rosé on Twitter. He goes, assuming full health is the new closing lineup, Hill, Green, Simmons, Harris, Embiid, who could break into it, where, and why? I think that is the closing lineup. Um, Um, I think it depends on the situation. I think Shake could. I think Curry could. I think if Dandy's not playing well, Matisse could. Some Korkmaz, maybe 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 less Korkmaz at this point, but you but would have yeah. Matisse in a closing lineup if they're if they're up, yeah. Mm. Especially if it's like against a team that has a weapon that you want Matisse to sort of shut down. Absolutely. Yeah. This comes. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think the one. I mean, no, he wouldn't. I think that's generally the closing lineup. I think generally, yes, that will be the closing lineup. This comes from Shane. No mailbag or anything, basketball or non-basketball questions. I just want to lend some further weight to the confirmation that the popularization of B-Ball Paul is definitely Ricky-driven. It hasn't even occurred to me that the nickname gained popularity in any other way. Impossible. Normal beat writers and TV programs aren't digging up second-round picks, Twitter handles. The pod definitely was the first place that Three quick syllable punch, punch, punch of a rhyme get, got spoken, uh, got into spoken words since 2012. Obviously, this is Ricky centric. It's not even a question. The first time I heard it said on the broadcast, it was obvious that he was reading off some prep sheet that a 20 something staffer handed him and was like, no, yeah, for sure. Everyone is really calling him B Ball Paul. It's huge, totally a thing, very well known. Whatever successes come, Paul reads way at a Sixers uniform, and however large this nickname becomes in popular culture, we'll always remember where it started and even if it was populated due to other means it wasn't important to remember that hashtag b-ball paul for life oh p.s maybe incorporate b-ball paul into the ruth bader ginsburg uh, and bead tattoo seems fitting <laughs> i mean look if the the tattooees want it i'm fine with that but it's your your design so sure i'll take it under advisement we have we have our first draft of that design coming uh, by the end of March from Tim Pangburn oh, wow. for this. Yeah, oh, wow. this comes from Jake uh, Megida on Twitter. How much run does B-Ball Paul need until he's taking over Mike Scott's starting spot? LOL. Also, today's my birthday. What's the best weirdest birthday gift you've ever been given? 
Um, B-ball Paul, I don't think, has much of a chance to become in any sort of rotation this year, given the uh, compact schedule and Doc Rivers seem to not enjoy nonsense, and B-ball Paul is still a little little nonsense-driven, I think. Yeah, he's got a lot of nonsense to him. I, yeah. I love him, and I think he makes things happen on the court, and just... He, he's just an he's just an impressive defensive player. Um, certainly not conventional. Certainly can get scored on, but like he gets his hands on everything, um, and he's strong. Uh, there is some look. I'm, there's some more Jonah Bolden to him than I than I want there to be. Um, oh boy! And I I love I love him. He's a better defensive player by a lot. There's it, it doesn't take it, it was not going to take like a moving heaven and earth to make. Bebo Paul, a small ball five, because he kind of already is one. Jonah Bolden, you had to, like, teach how to stand. Um, and Jonah Bolden was much older at the time, right? I mean, how old is Bebo not Paul? That, not that much. Paul, oh, really? I think Paul's, I think Paul's 22 already. 23. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's not, not he's, great. He's not crazy young. Yeah, um, that's not great. Let's see. Oh, no, he's 21. I'm wrong. He's 21. He turns 22 in June. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, he played a few years at, at DePaul. Um, yeah, we don't talk enough about how Bebo Paul also went to DePaul. Like, it's not, we need to, like, that, it's great. It's wild. It's wild. It's Bebo, almost like. DePaul, Paul Reed. It's almost like when Nerlens got drafted by New Orleans. I it know. Was very yeah. close, yeah. And it's, like, so close that it's like, well, this has to be some sort of gimmick. Like, yeah. is this the circus? What are we doing? Um, the gimmick of being named Paul. Yes, and it's, it's too gimmicky for me. Uh... <laughs> What are we talking about? Uh, oh, whether he can work into rotation. I, I don't think he can. I don't think he can. I, Not this I year. think it is, while I'm glad for the vibes that Mike Scott stayed, like, he is just not good at anything right now. He's just not. He can get hot from three, sure, and it's nice when he makes one, and they at least contest them. They're not, like, playing, standing back like he's Dwight or something and just, like, begging him to shoot those. But... It's just, it's tough to watch because um, he's so not dynamic and he's so overmatched. Like, they play Denver on. And we love him so much, by the way. And he's, like, I love Mike. He's yeah. great. He's great on the podcast. He was awesome. And then he better wear that, our jersey to the finals, the hockey one. Yeah. Um, but they play Denver tomorrow night, like, or in two nights. How, are they going to cover Jokic with, with Mike Scott? Is that happening? That can't happen. Um, so I I I think it needs to be, and we'll see when if 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 they do, and they should. Uh, well, they they got to put Ben just, on just for. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, they need another center just in case Embiid or Dwight gets injured. Obviously, Embiid has has done that a lot, and Dwight is you know thirty five or whatever. So like, you need to have another center you trust. But until then. I, I think B-ball Paul should play. Like I really, I'm not just saying it. I think you tell you 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 limit his role. You tell him what to do, just like screen and roll, and like shoot when the ball comes to you occasionally, and just attack the rim and run like hell. Like he really runs the floor really well for a big. I think he. I really think he should play. And Doc's Doc's interesting because he's a guy that's both set in his ways and also getting the most out of his players right now. There was a Maury quote after the deadline saying. Uh, Doc has pushed every right button this year. I challenge you to find a player on our team not playing at the best level of his career, which I think is kind of right. I, I think this, it's hard to argue with that. Um, and yet, there's like a stubbornness quality to him that I think uh, most lo- longtime coaches have. 
Paul should play. Like, and you and you make up and you and the mistakes happen. But like, what what he gives you, if you're if you're allowing Matisse to play despite the mistakes he does, I think I think Paul also should play over Mike. Uh, well, at least well, remember more. though, it it took Doc some a while for Matisse to play with those mistakes and there ended up being less mistakes like you know beginning of the year Matisse was out of the rotation um and I like that was was injury that was because injury I think no I don't think so he was I like I don't I don't think Doc wanted to play him I don't think it it had to do with he was always talking about how great he was and how special he was and he's going to find a role even when he wasn't in the rotation for a second I think it was like Doc Doc was always talking about him I think it was just he hadn't worked up to speed yet a lot of it Hmm. And since I, then, he's been he's been all the way in. But I, I also think Matisse Dybul is making fewer mistakes. Like he, hmm? the fouls seem like they're less. I, I mean, I still, you know, you talked about him shutting someone down. I, I still worry about him on someone like because Lowry seemed to trick him into fouls pretty easily. I worry about Matisse on somebody like Harden who can goad him into fouls easily. But he doesn't seem to foul as much as he used to. Um, weirdest birthday present? Do you remember a, a weird birthday present? I don't think I have one. Yeah, I'm not I'm a gift guy. I'm really not a gift guy. Give, giving or receiving, just sort of give me a give me a meal. That's all I need. I think I can talk about the weirdest one I ever got. I got my brother. Now this was long before Cameo. Maybe he was 14, so maybe 20 years ago. I reached out to you know Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. You know, sure. Beetlejuice. So I reached out to his manager, Sean, rest in peace. And I was like, hey, here's some stuff about my brother. Could you send me a VHS tape of Beetlejuice just like tearing my brother to shreds? And he did it. Um, a VHS tape? Yeah. I mean, it was wow. a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, one more. Uh, this comes from Chris. Wrote into uh, our, our email basketball question. Do you think the NBA will eventually make a change to the buyout situation? Seems like the level of talent for the buyout market is continuing to increase every year. Guys like Andre Drummond, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Blake Griffin are buyout guys now. Although they aren't all stars, they aren't back end rotation players. I don't know if, if players are willing to give back money and the teams are willing to lose and admit a mistake. I. I don't know what else you could do, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's you could have I've a waiver talking about it, and it's and I and I get how it's frustrating how most guys just go to New York or L.A. or Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, although Sixers Adam did cause Gorgie Jang to go to San Antonio, um, it is the kind of thing where it's you know you want you both want player. Uh, player movement and player f- flexibility and stuff, and if they choose to give back money, then they should be able to pick where they go. So I, I it, it might be like a just deal with it kind of thing. Um, but there also could be a situation where you know if you waive, if a guy gets waived, then he has to go through like like the waiver process rather than a buyout process. Um, and uh, and you could do something like. I, th- I think I saw somebody talking about, okay, then you don't you don't get to have these guys at the minimum. You yeah. get to have them at like a portion of what they were making before, like Lamarcus and Blake making like thirty million, whatever it was. If they get bought out, they still are, you know, they're, maybe you don't have to pay thirty million to get them again, but you have to pay like seven or five or something like that. It's, they can't be just 
if if they've had some qualification before, maybe they can't be had for just like dirt cheap. But it's it's again, it's guys if, if they want to go somewhere, they should they should kind of be able to go somewhere if they're especially if they're giving money back, which yeah, which I if again they, wouldn't wouldn't do. I would not do that. If the team doesn't want them and they want to give money back, it's like whatever you know. Like yeah. I I. It feels like a little bit of sour grape stuff, and and until it swings the championship, what like if the Nets win the championship, it's not going to be because of fucking Blake Griffin. It's going to be because of they have two of the five best players in the NBA and Kyrie Irving. That'll probably be more likely to be. The yeah, reason. and it just show and it just shows how much of a structural advantage those kinds of teams have. What yeah. if you're like reasonably serviceable in Brooklyn, New York, L.A., Miami, Golden State? You can, you can just make, basically not care about the rest of your roster, trade everybody for whatever, and just know like, hey, guys are gonna want to come here because we live in a you know traditionally cool place, and it's just like, I don't know what you can do about that aside from like, I don't know. Put all the teams in there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so every every team is Brooklyn. Every team every team lives in a small space. Um, there is also I, just a second. Uh, any thoughts on Al Horford not playing the rest of the season? Oh, well, they should send in Jerry Colangelo, do something mm-hmm. about that, right? Because I, I don't think Mike Muscala dressed last night either. Um, so, you know, um, you know, if a team is losing on purpose like that, like Oklahoma City is doing, it, many teams are doing. Orlando's losing on purpose. They should, I mean, Brian Colangelo is faking doing something in Australia with a team he fake owns. You could maybe call him in. Jerry Colangelo still not dead as far as I can, as far as the reports go. So you yeah, could bring him dead. in. Mm-hmm. Any ideas from you? I mean, I wonder what Dave Silver's doing at this moment. Uh, yeah, it's, it is really, I do wonder if there's, has there been any self-reflection from no. Dave Silver and the other owners that like forced his hand to, to do that kind of stuff? Has there been like, oh, we did, we did them dirty, like, because they probably don't think like, oh, forcing Jerry Colangelo on them was a bad thing. They probably were like, yeah, it, it, it saved mat- the franchise. They saved the franchise. They matured so well because of it, and now they're like, they're wrong, of course. But I do wonder if like, this, they it just the Sixers just took so much shit from like national media and the NBA and all the stuff for doing what like everybody's doing right now. Um, and they did it like with the choice and intentionally, whereas like Oklahoma City is, yeah, is, is like really begging people to stay home so they can lose, please, um, because they're not losing enough. And the Magic for years and um, among other teams were trying to be good and losing by accident, and you know like like the Wolves as well. And it's like just because this was part of a decision that they wanted to do that was ultimately successful and they weren't doing lip service and now nobody's doing lip service. Now it's everybody's doing the same thing. And so maybe it's easier because it's like it's a COVID year and there's fans at lower capacity anyway. So it's not, and some teams still don't have fans. So it's not as much of a concern, but I mean, there should be a public apology. Like there should be, Mm -hmm like a full, like, mea culpa. And maybe in a process 30 for 30 down the road, Adam Silver goes, like, you know what? Maybe I whatever. And even if he does that, I'll still be mad. I'll still even, 
he should award. We should get a draft pick. Like he should award us a draft pick for what happened. Absolutely, and he should resign. Honestly, <laughs> I think he should resign. I think he should resign. Look, there's a the CEO. He, of should, Harris- he should resign right now for what happened like six years ago. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I when there's no statute of limitations on being fucking wrong. Uh, the, he, what he did was wrong. He should retire. David Stern in the grave should fucking retire again. Everyone involved with that whole situation, which David Stern was involved, Jerry Colangelo should retire, and then after he passes away of natural causes, retire again. Everyone involved. Brian Colangelo should retire. Josh Harris should retire. Scott O'Neill should retire. This, Everyone should retire. My Jerry Colangelo should die of natural causes shirt is raising a lot of questions already answered by my opinion on the shirt. <laughs> And then uh, finally, non-basketball question. I thought this was funny, even though I don't have an answer. I was at work, and I had thought my Bluetooth headphones were connected, but they weren't. Unknowingly, at 100% volume, I resumed the pod in the middle of the By Nature pet food ad, and Spike says, start having healthy poops. Thankfully, only one other person was in the office with me, and they paid it zero attention. Have you guys... Yeah. Have you guys ever had any mishaps in public with your volume being way too loud while listening to something other people would find weird? I mean... I've had autoplay ad problems before sure. when I shouldn't have been watching anything, I guess, yes, but that's, that was it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it happened three days ago. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, really? in a Zoom room trying to pretend like I'm being a, a very good writer, and all of a sudden friggin'... Greg Gumbel is announcing the start of the game. He's like, Greg, chill the fuck out, man. Just cool it. I'm trying to work. And so someone was like, is someone watching a game? And I was like, oh, yeah, some autoplay, something something or other. My bad. Yeah, let's just zoom something. I don't know, something, computers, who, ah, what do you do? You got to treat it like a fart and blame somebody else. You got to who's no, but your screen lights up when it's when it's says oh, it's you. Oh right, you can't, right. You can't fart. You can't fart like this one. Your default like lights up and says like this. Mike Mike is speaking. <laughs> Mike is speaking, and he sounds a lot like Greg Gumbel announcing the start of this basketball game. <laughs> How's the tournament going for you, by the way? Good, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, I love Good. it. I'm having Good. a great time. It's awesome. All right, we will talk to you. Uh, we're going to be back. Pro- unless something catastrophic happens, we'll be back Thursday after the Cavs game, right? I hope maybe that will be a, a Joel Embiid return game. We don't know. Maybe. Seemed like a promising update from Daryl earlier in the week. So fingers crossed. Maybe George Hill will be here by now unless he, he is on the Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the third plan to get here. He might be. So, he might be just because he just got just holding up a thumb that's like slightly injured. I mean, imagine hitchhiking during COVID era must be yeah. even tougher than normal. Every so time. maybe he'll be here by the playoffs. All right, we'll talk to you then. Are you done with TTP? Yeah, you know, lickface. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, but if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.